0: If you brought your Bibles, hope you did turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 6. Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 6. We'll be launching for today our our reminder series. This week is reminding how to connect with God. And that happens through our personal walk with Him and our time alone with Him each and every day. Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 6. What every Christian needs to know to grow starts with our prayer life. That's where it begins. I love, I love the simple message truth today. Prayer is simple. It really is. It really is very, very simple. Matthew's Gospel chapter 6 gives us the narrative of how we should begin. It says in verse 5, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full, verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into the inner room, your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they are to be heard from, for their many words. Uh, verse 8, so do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this, this day our daily bread and forgive our debts and we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Let's pray. Father, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight today. Lord, I ask you to use this message as a spurring on in this room today, the Christ followers in this room. Father, I pray that you encourage us to be more prayer warriors than ever before the greatest opportunity that we have is to call upon your name in communication with you each and every day throughout the day. God, thank you so much that we have this beautiful mechanism to call upon your name. And God, I pray that you challenge us today to, it, to take that mechanism, to take that opportunity serious and, and to utilize that in our own personal journeys. And God, I pray that we become more of a praying church, that we collectively decide the importance of prayer and that we pray collectively as the body of Christ together. But Lord, not just that, we pray individually for each other and for those that have not yet come. God, we have this opportunity today. And God, I pray that we today walk away from this place completely different than when we came and we give you all the, pra- all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, we pray. And the church said, amen. Prayer is something that most of us, including myself, talk about often. And we do very little with the opportunity that we have to simply just pray. We oftentimes talk more about that. We even use terms like, hey, let's pray about this. Or I'm praying for you. Would you pray for me? Hey, I prayed about that. Did you really? Are you really? You know, I have a close friend of mine. Every time that I say, man, would you pray with me about this? He'll say, yes, let's stop right where we are in the middle of wherever we are doing whatever we're doing we will stop and pray. And I've, I've seen him literally and been with him when he literally kneels down right there in the fairway at the golf course. He will kneel right there holding up the entire game because he's praying. What better way to hold up a golf game, amen, is to pray. And usually he's praying about my golf game is what he's praying for. I'm, I'm hoping that's what he's praying for, right? But you see, prayer, we do very little of it. We simply should just pray, right? Jesus came to Earth, and He was constantly sharing radical and revolutionary ideas. He exploded the myths about prayer. He taught us that prayer is not something a is not a guilt provider. It's not here to provide guilt in our life, to producing guilt. It's an anxiety reliever. It's not a dreaded obligation. However, it is a wonderful privilege that we have. We have this wonderful privilege that we can call upon the Savior of the universe. Call upon the name of the Lord. To be honest, most of us cannot cannot comprehend exactly how prayer functions. I can't, and I've been doing it a long time, but if I just sometimes can't Grasp the magnitude of prayer, and I think that just in my infinite, finite little brain, I cannot wrap my brain around the power that we have in the plan of prayer when we call upon the name of the God, the Lord. Now, hey I, I want you to be—I I want to be honest with you. This is some research that I did. I looked back and researched several authors that I that I really, really, really respect. One is John MacArthur. John MacArthur said the Calvinistic view emphasizes God's sovereignty and its extreme applications hold hold that God's will will work according to his perfect will regardless of the way men pray or even whether they pray or not. He goes on to say, prayer is 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 nothing more than turning into God's will, tuning into God's will. And he goes on to say, the opposite extreme to that would be the Armenian approach. And the Armenian view holds that God's actions pertaining to us are determined largely on the basis of prayer, one hand prayer seems simple as a way of lining up with with God regarding what he already has determined to do. And on the other hand, is beseeching God to do what he otherwise would not do. Now, I want you to know something. MacArthur and several others said it this way. Scripture supports both views and holds both of them as it were in tension to one another. The Bible is, uh, is equal about God's op- uh, exo- exact opposite, uh, excuse me, exalt sovereignty of God but is equally declaring that within the sovereignty of God he calls upon his people to call upon his heart. So it's in tension with one another and they both are here to implore his help his guidance his provision his protection in our lives his mercy his forgiveness and countless other other needs that we might have so God is a God that wants us to call upon his name not only does he want us to worship him in his spirit and truth in our prayer but in our praise but he wants us to call upon his name in our prayer. Jesus continue his contrast of true and false and righteousness in this particular text. False righteousness typifies, typifies the, the scribes and the Pharisees in the beginning of this passage. Their hypocritical giving, hypocritical fasting, hypocritical praying. He goes on to say, do not pray this way. This is not how you are to pray. I love what Chuck Swindoll said. Chuck Swindoll, he's a brilliant mind, president of Dallas Theological Seminary. He said these things. This is what Chuck Swindoll said about prayer. To be painfully honest with you, most of the stuff I've read or heard about prayer has either left me under a ton and a half truckload of guilt or wearied me with pious sounding phrases and meaningless God talk. Without trying to sound ultra cynical, I frequently walk away thinking, quote, who needs it? Because I didn't spend two or three grueling hours a day on my knees asking, dear so and uh, dear so, Doctor so and so did, or are asking because I failed to just say the right things the right way, whatever that means, or because I wasn't able to weave several scripture verses through my prayer because I had not been successfully in moving mountains. I picked up the distinct impression that I was out to lunch when it came to the part of this Christian life call, prayer. It seemed almost spooky, mystical. And I, if I dare say it, it even, I, a little superstitious, a lot of verbal mumbo jumbo laced with a secret jargon that some people had and others didn't. And he goes on to say, I don't think, I definitely did not have it. Now, I relate to some of that. I relate to that. Sometimes I, I feel like that when I'm going to the, to the Lord in prayer, I find myself just saying words. Do they have meaning? Do they have heart? Do they have power? Do they, do, am I really getting God's attention? Folks, let me tell you something. As a true Christ follower, when you say, dear Lord Jesus, you got his attention right then. When you say, dear Lord Jesus... You have the mind and the heart of God's attention right then. I relate sometimes, though, that I get caught up in the process of prayer and get frustrated because I don't see the results of my prayer. Let me tell you something. I've learned something all these years as a Christ follower. God answers prayer three ways. Yes, no, wait. And those three ways, I can understand. I can understand, yes, man, I get jazzed when God says go. Yes, go, do that. I get excited about that. I'm okay with a no. I don't like it sometimes, but I'm okay. I don't know about you, but it's that waiting period that drives me crazy. How many of y'all are ready for a senior pastor? Raise your hand. Go on and be honest. You're not gonna hurt my feelings because I'll be honest with you, I am too ready for you to have a senior pastor. You know why? Because I know God's got an assignment somewhere else for me and I wanna make sure that I get us right where we're supposed to be to hand it off to the guys. that's gonna take you well into the next generation of church life. Because I know I've planned, the God's plan for my life. I know what he has for me, what he has in store. But this waiting period is driving me crazy not that you're driving me crazy well some of you but not that you're driving me crazy but the waiting period is and I told God this morning early as I was working out I said God please today let us hear something exciting from you today in this journey we need to hear from you today God sometimes we just don't make that contact how do you make contact with God I think the first three verses in this passage tell us how to make contact. First of all, we need to be real. We need to be real. When you pray, you are not to pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Don't try to impress anybody. Ever heard this? Oh, I just love to hear that person pray. They pray so pretty. Well, let me tell you something. They're not praying to impress you. If you're impressed by their prayer, you missed the whole mark. You shouldn't be listening to them pray anyway. Amen? You should be praying along with them. So don't try to impress others. Have you ever heard people say, oh, I just love to hear them. It's it's so, I just feel in the presence of God. If that person praying gets you in the presence of God, we got a real problem. Amen? Folks, let me say something. We need to be real. Don't try to impress others with your prayer. Don't try to impress God with your prayer. Just call upon his name. God's not impressed with our words. He's not impressed with us. He knows us by name. He knows absolutely everything about us. Why? Because he created us. He knows us. And if we are saved by his glorious grace, we are one of his children. He knows everything about us. Those of you who have kids, you can relate to this. You can start anticipating your kids sometime, can't you? I mean, I can. I know about the time Seth calls. It, there's come something in that conversation. And he has a, a and I'm not letting him know this. So I don't want y'all to tell him this. But I, I, he has a few words that he says that are trigger points for me. When, now, he doesn't do it so much now because he's kind of on his own. I pray that he gets on his own. I don't know that they ever completely get on their own. They just keep coming back, and then they start bringing kids with them. And, so, and that's not happened yet. I pray that it happens soon. I, in fact, the matter is, I put that in their vows that they were gonna raise godly kids. It shocked them that they was in the vows. But I, 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 when he was in high school and college, it would be a call or a text or, hey, buddy, you got a minute to talk? Sure, in my mind, sure. Come on, give me a call, son. I want to. And we'd go through the whole, did you see the game last night? Did you talk about it? We'd go through all that. And I said, well, son, why'd you call me? And then he said, well, dad, I need to speak to you about something. I knew there was a dollar value to that phone call. Amen? You see, the father knows his children. He knows when we call upon him and we come to him and we say, God, I have this particular situation in my life. And then he wants, he gladly wants us. He's a dear, dear father. And he loves his children. So be real with him. Don't try to impress him. He's not impressed. He's impressed when we surrender to our lives to his complete lordship. Be real. Don't pray like the hypocrites where they stand in the synagogues and on the street corners. Be real. Number two, be relaxed. Be relaxed. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Get off where you can focus on God, where you can relax, where you can calm and some peace and quiet, loosen up. Take a deep breath. Hurry is the death of prayer, successful praying. My wife, before the movie ever came out, for years, has had a prayer closet and she has her stuff on the wall and she prays for and, and she goes into that cl- prayer closet and when I, I walk down and I see her closet, uh, her closet door is closed and she's in there and it's dark, I don't even, I, she'll get in there sometimes and be in there for several hours and I never bother her while she's in her prayer closet and, she, and she, 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 she's done this our, our whole married life. When my wife got gloriously born again two years into our marriage, she never got over it. And she realized the only power that she could have is the power that she gets through her prayer life. And she's the best Christian I I know on the planet today. And I think it's duly related because of her intimate walk and her intimate communication with the Father. She is constantly with the Father in her prayer. We need to get alone and get relaxed. Take time to pray. Be real, be relaxed. And number three, Be revealing. How do you connect with God? Be real, be relaxed, and be revealing. Verse 7 and 8 says, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they are to be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. We have not because we ask not. I was bragging on First Baptist. I have to be honest, I was bragging on you. I was bragging on First Baptist Fair when I got the news that we reached that goal and it exceeded that goal. And I was kind of discouraged, but it came in at the last minute, the last day that could be recorded. It came in on the 30th of December. It came in, praise the Lord. One of the members came in and gave their offering and it pushed us well over the top and praise God, hallelujah for what that happened. We thank God for it. So I, I, I had to, I had to. to I couldn't help it I sent it to Georgia Baptist Convention president and two or three other guys and I said man I don't know about y'all but we're blowing and going at Fairbank. what's going on with you people (laughs) I had to brag on you I I know it I'm sorry I couldn't help it but I wanted to because I am so thankful to God for your decision to be obedient and give the global evangelization around the world. Amen? So be revealing. Don't use meaningless petitions. Be Honest, be real, be relaxed. Share what's on your heart. Tell him, call out to him, cry out to him. Don't get into a rut. I can tell you that's where I get a lot of times. I get into that rut where I'm just rigid and I'm praying for, it seems like I'm praying for the same things over and over and over and over. Mix it up. Don't get into a rut in your prayer life. Stay away from the cliches and words. Just pray your heart carefully not to be flippant about your prayer he is not the big guy upstairs that you're calling upon he is your heavenly father so be real be relaxed and be revealing so what do you say once you connect what do you say with him well, I think the passage we're in is so beautiful because this tells you what do would do. And I think, it, and they all start with peace, so that it, it makes it easy for us to understand. Praise, it begins there. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's like our opening song to him. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's calling upon the name of the Lord in prayer, in praise. It begins with praise and then it takes us to that purpose. I give my love. I give my life to you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, when I went back and looked at that again this week, I looked at that phrase. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, heaven is perfect. Perfect. So what we're doing, we're petitioning him. We're saying, God, we're asking for the purpose of our journey here on earth to be mirrored what it is in heaven. This is a sinful, awful world. I don't know if you saw the news this week in Fort Lauderdale. I've flown in and out of that airport several times. I knew exactly the the terminal that they were in when that young man pulled that gun out and started killing those people. This is an awful world. See, heaven is perfect. Earth is not. And we should say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's your spiritual service of worship. Folks, let me tell you something. We need to call upon the name of the Lord with purpose. We say, God, we need this. We are beseeching you for this. We know that you have the plan completely worked out, but we're calling upon your name. We give you praise. We are declaring your purpose. And then we're asking for your provision. I give God my worries. Give us this day our daily bread. I circled the word daily because I'm just asking him to provide for today. I'm not asking him for any, anything else. Give us this day our daily bread. I really hope you take care of tomorrow's bread, but let's take care of today's bread. Amen? So let's, let's pray today's worries away, not tomorrow's worry. Everybody wants to fret about tomorrow. Let's worry about today. We're not promised tomorrow. We are here in the now. Let's pray for today's daily provision. Your will for my life today. God, reveal your will for my life. His people need our will done in our lives in a timely manner. That's why we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Folks, let me tell you something. Some people panic more than they pray. I've run a nonprofit organization for 34 years. Nonprofit. You know what a nonprofit organization is? It's a company that has no profit. That's what a nonprofit is. And we just don't. We just don't operate on a, on a balance sheet like a regular business do. We operate like a regular business, but we don't operate on a regular balance sheet. We're a nonprofit organization, and we say, God, uh, I, I thank you for today's provisions, but tomorrow we have some provisions as well. But we have made it a point in our ministry that we would say, God, give us. This day, our daily bread. I declare to our board of directors through email this week and our next meetings the next week that we are now 32 years in a row that we have met or exceeded our budget in our ministry in 32 years in a row. And and, I, and, I, and one of my good friends who's on the board who's a, is a lawyer, he's actually the chairman, sent it back, he says, way to go, Deb. Thanks for managing it well, Debbie said nothing to me. The ministry bears my name, but she runs the office side of that, and he was just doing it to jab me just a little bit. Way to go, damn. You see, and then he went on to say, God's daily provision was great, wasn't it? Give us this day our daily bread. I love what Philippians, Paul writes to the church at Philippi. We studied this several months ago. Philippians chapter four, verse six, he said, do not be anxious, about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't be anxious. God who loves us, a good, good father, he knows our name and he loves each and every one of us Pray about everything. Give God all your worries. If we pray as much as we worry, we'll have a lot less to worry about. Amen? If we will just pray more than we worry. Praise, purpose, provision. And then it takes us to, in the progression of this text, our pardon, I give my God my guilt and forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. Guilt will eat you up. It's like a cancer, is it not? It's like a cancer. If you're guilty, it's just like a cancer. It just eats and gnaws at you. Let me see if I can illustrate that personally. When we do something, we make a commitment to something, and then we don't fulfill it, and that guilt starts eating at you, I made a commitment to lay off sweets at the beginning of the year. It wasn't a resolution. I'm not crazy about resolutions because those are, are made to break. But I, I decided I'm really going to lay off the sweets. And, and here's confession time here. And then some of you sweet people gave a bunch of sweets at Christmas to Debbie and I? Thank you, Donnie. And I was doing pretty good until I got some of these sweets. And I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get these out of the way and, and get them over with. And then... Deb had to make something for the holidays at Christmas, I mean, uh, for the New Year's Eve thing. And, and so she had to do some stuff for that. And, and she, she made my favorite chocolate chip cookies. And, and I said, well, I'm just not going to do it. And, and, then, and then she put some aside. She gave them all away. And then she put some aside for one or two for us just to kind of have around for her to have, she said. And, and I have to admit, I sneaked one. And I felt guilty about it. And I felt guilty about it. And so she walked by and she just kind of looked down there at the platter where there was one missing. It's noticeable when there's three cookies and one's gone. (laughs) Right? It's very noticeable. If it's a whole tin of cookies, you can probably, you know, shuffle them around. I've done this. Shuffle them around. It doesn't look like they're all gone, right? But when there's one been gone, it's noticeable. And she didn't say anything. She just kind of got the tray and kind of slid it around like that and looked at it. I knew what she was doing. So I let it go for a minute or two. And I walked by and I said, I had one of those cookies. She said, you think? I said, I felt guilty about it. She said, you should. I said, don't look spiritual and pious at me. She said, but I didn't give up cookies for holidays. I didn't give them up. You did. And you made that declaration that you were doing it. See, folks, let me tell you something. Our good, good father knows that we have guilt. We have situations. We're fallible people. We're going to make mistakes. So ask him, Lord, forgive us our debts. Don't let the guilt eat you up. God has given us a way out. If you'll confess through the mouth, he's faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That leads us to people. You see, once we have progressed through praise and, and finding his declared purpose for our lives and, and notice knowing that he provides for us and he has cleansed us and purified us, it moves us to people. There's people that we possibly have hurt over the time, over our lifespan, and maybe we need to go to them and ask for forgiveness. I give God all my hurts, even the ones that have hurt me. I've forgiven them. Verse 12, and, and so we have forgiven our debtors as for if we forgive others our, their transgressions, our heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly father will not forgive you of your transgressions. If in life we've all been hurt, we will have hurt someone as well. How we handle the hurt determines our happiness. Notice in verse 14, if we can, can't forgive others it's like burning a bridge that you need to get back across to forgive them and be forgiven folks if you've got somebody that you know that you've hurt you've got somebody that you need to forgive or you know that someone needs to forgive you go to them and ask for forgiveness expecting nothing in return give god your hurts and then Embrace yourselves in the protection that he has for us. I give God my fears and my temptations. And do not lead us, verse 13, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What area do we need to be protected? Self-control, is it that? We need to be protected. What scars do we have that are most vivid in our lives. I want you to turn with me quickly, quickly to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. I want you to notice what the writer in the book of Hebrews says. It's a beautiful text. Hebrews chapter four. Notice what he says in verse 15. For we have a high priest who cannot sympathize, who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who, who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. We have a high priest that we can call upon. He will protect us. He will meet our needs. He is able and is confident to meet our needs needs so we see in this text how to contact God and what to say once we're there then leaving us today I want to leave us with an idea of the powerful key to prayer the powerful key to praying is praying not for yourself but praying for others our father give us this day our daily bread Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I saw an illustration recently. Dr. William Parker, a psychologist, studied nine months uh, if prayer rightly understood and practiced properly would equal to the treatment to psychotherapy. He decided he would do a, a group study. He had three separate groups. One group was a counseling session given a weekly to individuals, sending them off to pray individually. The second was was to send the group home and to pray randomly by themselves. Just no direction, no process, just go pray. The third group was made up of people attending a weekly, weekly talk sessions and weekly uh, uh, sessions with each other and encouragement sessions and Bible study and prayer time together. Hear what the test results took place. The individual psychotherapy, 65% improvement happened with group one. Group two, random, no direction, no accountability, singly praying by themselves with no accountability, no improvement in that group whatsoever. And group three, they shared, they studied Bible study and had prayer time together collectively as a group, had over 75% improvement in their own journey. Folks, let me tell you something. There is something uniquely special about the power of prayer. There's a church up in New York called the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Brooklyn Tab is a small little church, about 100,000 members, I think. No, it's not quite that large, but it's large. I had the privilege of attending their Tuesday night prayer service. Tuesday night. Dr. Simbalo doesn't even lead that. Their pastor for prayer their minister that leads their prayer organization, their Tuesday night prayer service, when I attended it back in the early 2000s, Tuesday night, not Wednesday night prayer, Tuesday night, had no music, no musical component, no celebrities, no Brooklyn Tab Choir, no music. It was just a room of about 5,000 people and you had to wait in line to get in. Wait in line to get in. We stood on the street corner to get in, hopefully, that we would get a seat to come to prayer meeting. Over 5,000 people in this room. And I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like it before or since. And folks, I've been to some pretty good hog calling contests. I mean, I've seen some stuff but I'd never seen anything like this before in my life. People coming to the altar, bringing whiskey bottles and syringes and all kinds of stuff, just, just uh, business executives coming in their $1,000 suits, laying before the altar of the Lord, calling upon the name of the Lord. Why is one church in New York City different than a First Baptist Church of Fairburn? I asked one of their lay leaders, why, is that, why does this happen? He said, we make a commitment to call upon the name of the Lord corporately. We teach our people to go in private and pray, but we rejoice when they come. And we started, and it all started with our pastor. He said, we're going to put an emphasis on prayer. We're going to call and grab a hold, the mantle of God, and pray for our people in our city. Folks, do you want to see something special happen in 2017 at First Baptist Fairburn? Let's make prayer a major emphasis in what we do. Let's don't talk about praying, let's pray. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20. I tell you that if two or two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for it, it will be done by my Father in heaven for. Where two or three come together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ. When he came to this earth, he was constantly sharing the radical revolutionary ideas. He exploded the myths about prayer. He taught us that prayer is not just a guilt producer, but it is an anxiety reliever. It is not a dreaded obligation, but it is a wonderful privilege that he has given to us to call upon his name. If my people which are called by my name, will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will heal their land. I don't know that there's ever a time in the United States of America, in Fairburn, Georgia, in South Fulton County, is there ever a time that we should make the commitment to make prayer in its simplest form the most powerful thing we ever do as a church. Will you simply?